Welcome to Healthcare Perspectives, a podcast by Siemens Healthineers about medical breakthroughs with the power to improve lives everywhere. Today, how can patient twinning be used to improve and advance healthcare? How is it being used today and what potential could it hold for the future? I would like to turn it around from the manufacturing or industry or aviation perspective. It's the same for healthcare. There's just no difference. So a twin gives us a real-time update on machine slash the body performance. So there is a real-time data flow between the virtual and the digital object, the same as it is uh, in aviation. So if things are changing in the body in an unwanted way and pathophysiological conditions start to arise, the individual or the doctor should be able to catch it much earlier um, than we are today. That's Ulrike Attenberger, professor and chair of the Department of Radiology at the University Hospital in Bonn, Germany, talking about the future potential of patient twins. In this episode, Siemens Health and Years Chief Technology Officer Peter Schart talks with Ulrike, as well as Tobias Heimann, Head of Artificial Intelligence at Siemens Healthineers Germany, and Siobhan Graham and Nikki Akar, Head of Radiotherapy and Lead Chemotherapy Nurse, respectively, at Barking, Havering and Redbridge University Hospitals in Essex, UK. Hi, I'm Peter Schart. Imagine you're being rushed to the hospital, and although you're feeling perfectly fine, the emergency team already knows that this could change any minute. They initiate immediate preventive measures. When you reach the hospital a few minutes later, everything is already prepared. The medical team greets you by your name and already knows all about your history of heart problems. Wasting no time, they provide you with targeted minimally invasive treatment to prevent heart failure. Fortunately, your heart muscle was not irreparably damaged. You'll soon be back to your normal life. No single doctor of the team that treated you has ever seen your face before. But they have met your digital twin. In engineering, a digital twin is a virtual representation of a physical product or process. It's used to understand and predict its physical counterpart's performance characteristics. Today, we're talking about the digital twin in terms of healthcare. We call it the patient twin. This twin is a kind of digital avatar of the patient. In the future, it could be preloaded with their entire medical history, including previous diagnoses and existing conditions, and be continually updated with real-time health data, closely monitoring potential changes. The twin could be used to simulate possible treatment outcomes so that the best therapy for every individual patient can be chosen. It also could be used to detect illness much earlier than today and ultimately even help to prevent people from getting sick in the first place. As futuristic as the idea of a patient twin sounds, there are real-world applications being developed right now 
that already make use of elements of patient twinning technology in order to help healthcare professionals combat disease. Digital twins of individual organs, for example, are being tried out in medical research. Here is Professor Ulrika Attenberger again, explaining how a digital twin of an organ can be used in order to predict an individualized therapy outcome on different patients. In this case, Ulrike describes her research on a liver twin with which she simulates a liver cancer treatment called embolization therapy, where substances are injected directly into an artery in the liver to block or reduce the blood flow to the tumor. We observe as interventional radiologists in the follow-up scans after such an embolization treatment that some tumor foci respond better than other to the embolization treatment, even if the technique used is similar. So it might be a huge step forward to know beforehand which tumor focus will respond and for which one we should apply a different treatment strategy, such as ablation or even systemic treatment. What Ulrike just outlined here is a key idea of precision medicine. We at Siemens Healthineers believe that the patient twin will bring us much closer to it. That's why we see it as such a promising concept. But we are not there yet, as our Germany head of AI, Tobias Heimann, knows. If you look at how medicine is working right now, you usually, for pretty much everything and every disease and condition, you have certain guidelines how a patient is supposed to be treated according to good medical practice. But these guidelines are based on statistics of the overall population. But that does not necessarily mean that it's the best solution or therapy for this individual patient. That is where the concept of precision medicine is coming in right or personalized medicine that we want to predict and deliver the best individual therapy for a certain patient. So how can we expect something like this to work in a practical way? Let's look at another example using the liver twin. One way to destroy the tumor is push a needle into the liver, into the tumor, And then you have, for example, a radiofrequency ablation, yeah, which heats up the tissue around the tip of the needle and uh, effectively burns the tissue around that, right? And if you do it correctly, the tumor tissue will be destroyed while the liver tissue around that will be spared. The challenge is to do that consistently because, as I said, like every human, every patient is different. We build up the anatomy of the digital twin model, right, of the liver, so that it really reflects the patient anatomy. And then we can virtually place needles into this model, simulate specific heating parameters, and then also simulate the process, how tissue is actually heated up and dies and uh, turns into necrosis. So you can actually try out many different options to run your therapy on the virtual model and then just pick the best result and apply that to the patient. Just imagine a world in which we would always be able to know the outcome of a therapy before it even took place. Of course, the data that would need to flow into such full patient twins 
would need to come from a variety of different sources, using artificial intelligence to identify patterns and derive insights from cohort analysis. So if we are really aiming to model an entire patient at its complexity, we would like to have ideally like all the data we could get, like all the imaging data to have a very detailed representation of the specific anatomy of this patient, right? Also physiological data, understand like the particular function of that patient's body, molecular data, genomics data, proteomics, everything. In principle, the more data you have, the more accurately you could simulate a patient, right? Lifestyle data as well, right? So if we think about variables, for example, that are capturing a lot of information, like how people are living their lives, how they are moving, etc. This is also very a very important part of, of health, right? And then the environment that they are living in, like everything is influencing everything. With all that data being collected, How can we make sure it's not wasted? How do we bring all of those different points of information together? If we start with the variables, then usually the variable producer has some cloud app or something where the data is collected. Yeah, That is the lifestyle data. But if you then go to a clinic and you get uh, maybe a CT or something, then where is that CT image stored? It's stored usually at the place where the clinic is, right? If you go to a different doctor, the doctor takes some measurements. These measurements are stored in your patient file at this particular doctor, but nothing is integrated. And that's the issue that we have today, right? And it's not only a question of technology, but a social and political question as well. While some countries already embrace centralized health databases, others are more hesitant. Let's hear from Ulrike how she experiences the situation. At least in Germany, I would say we are pretty far from that. A first step would be to integrate all technical interfaces in hospitals, private practice settings to be able to have the data digitalized in a meaningful way. Today, at least in Germany, it's very complex to have all data of a patient readily available once the patient shows up at the hospital. As Ulrike and Tobias explained, data is at the very heart of patient twinning. And that includes not only medical data, but also data that is input by patients directly. A great example of how physicians can use such patient-generated data to improve therapy and care is Varian's Nuna app. Nuna is a cloud-based software-as-a-service product that connects oncology patients to their health practitioners. In that way, it could be seen as their 24-7 companion and the first step towards a disease-focused version of the digital twin that helps collect data and flag negative trajectories, allowing for better assessment and management of a patient's illness. At Barking, Havering and Redbridge University Hospitals in Essex, UK, Siobhan Graham, Head of Radiotherapy, and Nikki Akar, Lead Chemotherapy Nurse, both work with the NUNA app within their respective departments. I sat down to chat with them about the effects Nuna has on their work. Siobhan, how are you using Nuna in radiotherapy? 
What we're doing is using that app as a form of communicating with the patients so their patients can get all of their appointments. And then we're also using the um, questionnaire functionality. So at certain points throughout the patient's course of treatment, they'll get questionnaires to review. And then we have a team of radiographers that will look at those responses to the questionnaires. We then did a second rollout at the start of this year for a cohort of patients. So these patients will be sent a questionnaire, a follow-up questionnaire after their treatment. Nikki, how did that look in chemotherapy? The opportunity that we're using is more like a communication aid so patients can send in questions about appointments or CT scans, etc. And then um, at the moment, there's two nurses that are sort of monitoring that the inbox and filtering out to the relevant department so that that query can be answered. And then my second stream is my nurse-led chemotherapy patients. What I'm doing for those patients is I'm sending out a pre-treatment questionnaire a couple of days before their scheduled treatment. I'm then reviewing their questionnaire and obviously answering any queries from that. If patients are okay, I'm authorizing their chemotherapy. So I'm a, a, a nurse prescriber. So basically I can do the whole appointment in, you know, in, in that time. So you're seeing the app work to help sidestep some of those unpleasant aspects of cancer treatment and being able to tailor it better for the individual patient. And what has patient response been like to that streamlining of communication? From conversations I've had with patients, um, and this has all been via the app, is that they are getting their questions answered quicker. For a lot of our patients, trying to find potentially the right department, and then you know somebody has to be on the end of that phone. You know, whereas you know it could take them two or three hours to, to get their, their phone call answered, you know, because obviously everybody's busy. Clinical people are not necessarily sitting at their desk. If they do it via the Noona app, you know, that question is picked up and we're monitoring it sort of at various points during the day. And then we're able to reply almost in real time. And what effect have you seen Noona have on the provider-patient relationship? It's maybe taken some of that kind of that stress and that nervousness for the patient. So if they're trying to get through to somebody and that, you know, they're already anxious, obviously, because of their treatment, their diagnosis, etc. By taking that extra cat and mouse almost aspect out of it, I think the conversations that I'm having are much, they appear much more relaxed, much more almost informal. My patients always refer to me by my first name anyway, but it's, it's very, very informal, I think. And I think that makes the relationship between us as, you know, as the professional and the patient, I think that that definitely makes the relationship stronger. I can imagine that being able to have that quick feedback and seamless communication must be a huge game changer in terms of care. You say to our patients, you know, keep a diary or something by the side of your bed so that if you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got a question, rather than having trouble then getting back off to sleep because this question's playing on your mind, jot it down. So now we can say to them, you know, if you have that question, pop it into the app. Again, explaining that, you know, we wouldn't pick it up immediately, but knowing sometimes that they've put their, their queries, their anxieties, their fears down on, on, you know, on a system that they know we will then pick up. That's what surprised me even more, like the time savings that we've been able to have. I know, Nikki, you had someone that sent in a photo and things like that. So that sort of thing, like if they have react, like for my radiotherapy patient skin reactions or some of the neuropathy reactions in chemotherapy, we can get that feedback again. So we can utilize the app to even visualize what's happening with the patient without them even actually having to be on site in the hospital. 
So a particular chemotherapy um, can cause problems with, the, with nails and, and split skin. And they actually took photographs of them. So I was able to show the doctor and say, this is what the, you know, the patients brought in. We delayed their treatment, but the patient didn't need to come into the hospital. So whereas, you know, if it was a telephone call, I would have to say to that patient, okay, you need to come in and see me so that I can assess you face to face. So it's kind of saved time for both of us. Have you seen any objections from patients to the tech itself? Is there any hesitancy with the system? Obviously, the COVID pandemic was, was terrible, but I think what it did for a lot of us is made us more reliant on technology or more able to use it. When I'm broaching Nuna with my patients, how I sell it is, do you do your shopping online? Do you do your banking online? And if they answer yes, then I say, well, actually, we've got this app that you can use. It's, you know, the format is very similar to how you would do your shopping, etc. On the healthcare practitioner side, Nuna was initially met with trepidation by some colleagues, who feared it would increase workload and cost. Since its introduction, Shavan's and Nikki's teams have seen Nuna to lift the burden of repetitive and manual tasks from them, making treatment more seamless and effective. In practice, the app has revealed myriad benefits for Shavan and Nikki, including a cut down on nurses' phone time by as much as an hour per day, a general decrease in patients' overall number of ER visits, the usage of structured symptom data in clinical trials, and, perhaps most importantly, the generation of individualized symptom checklists, increasing valuable patient-doctor face-to-face time. One of the most exciting aspects of Nuna is the future role it may play in collecting data for clinical research. Javan, what effects do you see for research in the long term? I really think there's a benefit of being able to get that data from the patients as they're going through a course of a new innovation like online adaptive radiotherapy, get that information right back from the patients so you've got the radiotherapy plan, this is what the doses are, this is what we're seeing the patient have on our weekly reviews when we review them, but this is what the patient's actually seeing. And then long term, how we can map that back to the demographics of our area. If you wanted to think wider scale, not just our area, but London, UK. And when we take a look at the broader picture, zooming a bit out from your departments, How could this technology further help patients and practitioners in terms of taking pressure off the hospital system? So I think it's that proactive monitoring of the symptom questionnaires and I think the ultimate aim, if you agree, Nikki, is to try and stop those A&E attendances or those hospital admissions. So how can we, if a patient's suffering from side effects of their radiotherapy or their chemotherapy, how can we catch those early intervene with medications earlier so that they don't have to go to A&E and if everyone's heard what the A&E is like within the UK it's you can be there for four five six hours before you're even triaged so how can we do that internally in our department and stop that relief pressure on A&E and then ultimately relieve pressure on the the overall hospital system because we're not needing to admit patients so often. It's great to see how the Nuna app really made a difference for Shavans and Nikki's teams and how their patients, in terms of helping to enable a more tailored care and a more direct patient-caregiver relationship.
Of course, even with all of the benefits we've seen with digital twins of individual organs or apps like Nuna, there are still quite a few challenges that present themselves before the future vision of a complete patient twin can become reality. Not only the quality of data, also the amount of data needed is essential. Creating a complete patient twin would require artificially created neural networks to be trained using millions of datasets. Only then could this data be used to draw conclusions for a specific patient by comparing their individual initial status with similar datasets. What work would need to be done to get there? Here's Ulrike again. I would say one point is building kind of overarching data banks. And this we could start at expert centers that sort of build kinds of data lakes. And in a second step that then we are setting up the regulatory framework, maybe first nationally and then internationally, sort of to share the data so that we can ensure that we have enough data for training a model. Obviously, industries outside of healthcare are investing huge amounts of money to do just this. But when it comes to healthcare, data must be protected at all times. Medical data is from its nature, it's, it's super sensitive. So we uh, want to do our best to protect that data. Yeah? One way is to uh, anonymize or pseudonymize the data so that it's impossible to go back from a certain data set to the individual patient. So this is one of the concepts that we, we are following there. So we need to devise methods that really offer the highest level of security in that field. I think it's much more a question of data privacy national and international data security regulations. So I would phrase it the other way around and say academia and industry need to get in close contact with political stakeholders to define regulations that of course keep the individual rights in mind in terms of data privacy, but do not prevent the next big transformation in healthcare. For it to succeed, of course, it's also the public itself that needs to be able to really see the potential benefits of such a patient twin. We are conducting studies like we are now doing in Bonn to show the effectiveness of these solutions. And that's the way it works uh, in medicine, right? So if you want to show that something works, you need to run some clinical studies. You need to do a comparison to the state of the art. And if you can show that your new solution actually works better, than the state of the art, then people will adopt it. Looking forward to the future of patient twinning, there are several areas that have already been identified where the technology could prove to be tremendously beneficial. Besides its huge potential when it comes to prevention, early detection and personalized therapy of illness, patient twinning is also promising when it comes to facilitating healthcare access in rural or remote areas, when combined with remote technology, for example. There is a publication from India, uh, I think from 2019, 
where the doctor and the patient were about 20 miles away while the doctor was performing um, cardiac intervention. So we already have the technology. If we now bring together remote intervention technology with twins, the twin could be used to train doctors and healthcare professionals in rural areas or countries and guide them to perform a procedure with backup at expert centers. It's incredible to imagine just how much of an impact this sort of intervention could have on previously underserved areas. So, what about the future of patient twinning as a whole? What can we expect to see? The best future scenario will be that we have fully integrated digital twins in our clinical decision-making for diagnostics as well as treatment decisions. And digital twin, to my opinion, are very essential for making precision medicine a reality in healthcare because they are creating an environment to make life-saving decisions based on real-time and historic data. And from a patient's perspective? I would say that the benefit is that transparency will be increased. If you think about using variables to feed information into a twin, patients or better said people get self-empowered. They can sort of literally see how certain lifestyle behaviors will influence their health in a positive or negative manner. As you've heard, Digital twins are already showing promising results when it comes to advancing healthcare treatment in clinical research settings. With new innovations and ideas emerging every day, it's safe to say that the capabilities will only continue to grow and innovate the healthcare sphere. To reach the full potential of patient twinning in the future though, challenges like data quality and safety as well as appropriate regulation and legislation for these kinds of technologies need to be solved. I am positive that we will find a way. And who knows, maybe patient twinning technology could then also be used to avoid that people get sick in the first place. That would be my wish for the future. You've been listening to Healthcare Perspectives, a podcast by Siemens Health and Ears. We pioneer breakthroughs in healthcare for everyone, everywhere. Subscribe to us and always get the latest episode in your podcast feed or visit siemens-healthandears.com slash podcast for more. The opinions expressed by the guests and contributors in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Siemens Health and Ears. This podcast describes possible future ideas and concepts. It is not intended to describe specific performance and or safety characteristics of currently planned or future products. Future realization and availability cannot be guaranteed. Some of the products and applications mentioned in this podcast are currently under development. They are not for sale. The future availability cannot be guaranteed. The information in this podcast is based on research results that are not commercially available. The results discussed about the use of Nuna represent the genuine experience of those users. Your results may vary.